I just turn to uh, Colossians. Turn to Colossians with me. Chapter 1. Going to look at verse 21, 22, 23, 24. Four verses. Good to see everyone here. we got some folks I'm just thrilled to see uh, here with us today. God bless you for coming. And I'm always thrilled to see our regular folks here. Yeah, don't want to take you for granted. Now, uh, what we're looking at in Colossians is uh, the Lord Jesus Christ in relationship to the church. Now, the church is not the building, but those of us who are saved, right? That's who the church is. And so we're, we're seeing what he did for us at the cross and what he's doing for us as we continue to live for him. Okay, that's what we're looking at here in these four verses. I'm going to read it, and you follow me as we go through these verses together. He says in verse 21, And you that were sometimes alienated and enemies. Who's that? That's every one of us before we got saved. We were alienated. We were enemies. Alienated from God. Enemies to God. We want to think of ourselves as, man, I wasn't a bad person. I didn't hate anybody. I didn't want to hurt no one. But in reality, we were separated from God because of our sins and because of that we were enemies of God and alienated from God. And you may be alienated from other people, from your family, from your friends. You know, you can get in a mess in life, can't you? And he said, you that were sometimes alienated and enemies in your mind. By the way, it could be just all in your mind. That's right. Amen. <laughs> Don't want to leave that out, do we? He said, By wicked works, yet now hath he, the Lord Jesus Christ, reconciled. What made us enemies and alienation? Wicked works, things that were not right, sin in our life. Sin in our life. Verse 22 in the body of his flesh. How did he reconcile us? In the body of his flesh through death. Of course, his body was presented on that cross at Calvary. He was beaten. He was crucified in the flesh for your sin and my sin and the sin of the whole world. And because of his death on the cross, he can save the uttermost. He can save anyone. Now, verse 22, it says, in, in the body of his flesh, through death, why did he save us? Look at it. To present you holy and unblameable and unreprovable in whose sight? In his sight. When God saves us, he, he loves us, and he'll save us anywhere we're at. He'll save us, and my goodness, he accepts us wherever we are. He takes us in wherever we are. He loves us so much that He'll save us wherever we are, whatever we've done, but He loves us so much He won't leave us there. He takes us and He moves us. And so what He says here, He wants to present you holy. I'm going to explain that word in a little bit. And unblameable and unreprovable in His sight. Hey, the world may never understand you if you become a Christian. Your family may not ever understand you if you become a Christian. Hey, your neighbors may not. Matter of fact, you may be good friends with your neighbors and you get saved, you might become enemies because they don't understand. But you will become approved in God's sight. 
Verse 23, he says, If you continue in the faith, here's what we should do. If you continue in the faith, grounded and settled, and be not moved away from the hope of the gospel, which you have heard and which is was preached to every creature which is under heaven. Wherefore, I, Paul, am a minister. Now, it gives a word of explanation in the latter part of verse 23, but the main content is this. He wants you to continue in the faith so that you can be grounded, so that you can be settled, and so that you won't be moved away from the hope of the gospel, which is the hope of seeing the Lord Jesus Christ when you die. And that's a sure-found hope, not a I hope so hope. It's, a, it's, it's, the, it's what we're looking forward to in death. You don't want to see, you don't want to see a, a narrow uh, 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 you know, light at the end of the tunnel when you die. Uh, you, you don't want to see a, a, a dude in a red suit when you die. And you don't want fire blazing up around you when you die. Hey, you don't even want to see an angel when you die. You want to see the Lord Jesus Christ who is the hope. It's all about Jesus. Now, verse 24, he says, who now rejoices in my suffering. Paul said, I'm rejoicing in my suffering for you. And fill up that which is behind of the afflictions of Christ in my flesh for his body's sake, which is the church. I'm going to get into this. Verse 24 has got some nuggets in it. But, but what we're looking at in the text, if you give it a, a, a big picture, the church is who he's talking to. Now, who is the church? It's the collective body of Christ. It's everyone that is saved. That's the church. That's you here today. If you know Jesus as your Savior, that's who it's addressed to. And, and, and the, he said in the previous verses that he said, well, he answered this question. I'll ask you the question. Who is the head of the church? Jesus is. The Lord Jesus Christ is the head of the church. And, and he is in that position because of what he has done for us. What did he do? He came to earth. He created it all. He controls it all. But he came to earth in the body and he died on the cross for our sins that we could be saved. And now he has been uh, put in charge and he is the head of you and every one of us that know the Lord. Now in the book of Ephesians chapter 5, it talks about his relationship to the church and, and it associates the relationship of Jesus and the church to a husband and wife. And, and what Jesus is saying to the church is that he died on the cross for you, that he can present you someday at the judgment as look what I accomplished, I won, I brought this bride with me. Now, you and I, in terms of Bible terms, we as the church are the bride of Christ. The bride of Christ. Do you know, the Bible talks about it in Revelation chapter 19. You don't look it up now, but write it down. Revelation 19, there's going to be a presentation of the church, the bride of Christ, to Jesus. One of these days, we're going to get all dressed up in white. Now, I don't see where we're going to be strumming harps. I don't see, I don't see us sitting on a cloud. You don't find that in the Bible. That's somewhere in a comic book, right? But there is a day coming when, 
we will all be together. Won't that be good? We won't be fussing and fighting. We won't be arguing. We won't be debating things. We will all be together dressed in white, and we're going to be gathered together with the Lord Jesus Christ, and we're going to have a banquet meal. I'm telling you, Christians know how to eat, right? We enjoy, and people enjoy that, don't they? Well, the Lord has promised in Revelation chapter 19 there's going to be a, 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 a banquet there. There's going to be a, a banquet fit for a bride and groom because Jesus is the groom and we are the bride. Hey, I'm looking forward to having angel food cake. Amen? Amen. I'm, I, hey, I'm looking forward to more than that. I want some devil food cake, all right? right? <laughs> We're going to have some devil food cake when we get there. Now, that's what he says in Ephesians. Jesus is the Savior of the body. That's number one. You've got to get saved. But then he's saying, what he's saying is teaching here is that he is the sanctifier of the body, which is you and me. He's a, now, he wants you to get saved. He accepts you just like you are. He receives you as a, a, a person wherever you are, whatever you've done. But here's the thing. He loves you, and he will move you from that place He'll change you to where you need to be and what you need to be. Now, in, in Bible terms, that's called sanctification, where he moves us. He's the Savior, and he's the changer. You know, as the pastor, I've had someone uh, come to me before and said, doesn't that person go to your church? I said, yeah. I can't believe how they act. I said, well, I do. And they put it on me like, aren't you going to do anything about it? And I want to say, I've done everything I can do about it. What, what can I do? I'm not the Holy Spirit. I'm just the preacher of the Word, right? I'm to preach the Word, and you have to get a hold of that, and the Holy Spirit has to get a hold of you and bring you to way. And when that person wants to blame you or somebody else for someone else's action, they're just playing a game to make themselves look better. So Jesus is the Savior, and He is the Sanctifier. It's not us. You know, you lead someone to Christ, it's between them and God. You can help, you can encourage but it's between them and God. Now, so, Jesus is the Savior of the body, the church. And the church is all of us that are saved. And we're the fellowship of the redeemed. That's another Bible concept. We are the fellowship of the redeemed. We're together. Hey, we're, we're to love one another, right? This is the place of love. This is the place of love. The Bible teaches us in the book of Hebrews chapter 10 that we're not the forsake assembling of ourselves yes. together. Amen. Amen. He, he adds in there as the manner of some is. We got some that don't assemble like they should. Y'all ever notice that? You didn't notice that? There's some Christians, they don't assemble. They don't go with the family of God like they should. They don't support the family of God like they should. They're kind of still out there on their own, doing their own thing. Hey, they've been saved, but they're not where they need to be. Now, that can be one of two things. They are either an immature Christian or a carnal Christian. Now, an immature Christian needs to grow, needs to learn. A carnal Christian needs to repent. If you are a Christian that's not living for Christ and 
not supporting the other people of God as you should. You are a carnal Christian, and you need to repent of that. Now, I'm not, I'm not talking about you coming short. I'm talking about things that you can make a difference with. You know, if you've got a problem that you can't overcome, it's the Holy Spirit's job to bring you to where you need to be. But there's some things He's already took you through there. You already know what you need to do. And to him that knoweth to do good and doeth not, to him it is it's a sin. It's a sin. Hey, I'm going to tell you something for me. If I sit home tonight and watch Ed Sullivan and Lawrence Well, say, Preacher, that's not on anymore. That was who was on the last time I stayed home on Sunday night. That'd take you back about 1980, wouldn't it? But you know, me, knowing what I know. And see, that's the thing we have to understand about the Christian life. It, it, sin is not rectified to you according to everybody else. It's a personal, individual thing. And I'm not trying to make excuses for sin, but you know what I'm talking about if you're saved. When God deals with you about something, it's just about you and Him, and you need to get right with it, don't you? And you know, you can look at somebody else and they, they don't go to church like they should. They don't, they don't assemble like they should. They don't serve like they should. They're not involved like they should. And you look at them and say, man, how do they get away with that? How's that working that way? I don't, that don't work. Hey, you know why? Because you said, that don't work with me. Why? Because you have been, it's been revealed to you by the Spirit of God that you need to be a good example, that you need to be faithful, and and. Now listen, if you don't acknowledge that, you're either an immature Christian that needs to grow or you are a carnal Christian that needs to repent. You can either say amen there or oh me. Either is acceptable. Both, amen. So Jesus saved us. Just where we are. He, He accepts us right where we are. He loves us. That's why He does that. But he loves us so much that he won't leave us there. He won't leave us there. He changed us. You know, Acts chapter 2, we see some great truths about Christians and what we should do. They were assembled together. They broke bread together. They were fellowshipping together. They were praying together. They were worshiping together. They were working together. They were reaching people together. They were involved. And that's where we need to go as a Christian. That's the Christian community. That's the church, the community of God. Jesus died for that bunch. Now, does that mean you're automatically the perfect example of Christian? Absolutely not. And some people feel like, you know, I would do more as a Christian if I were at this level, I'm at this level. That's a little game the devil gets you involved. You go where you are as you are and be who you are and let God take care of the wrinkles. Amen? Yes, that's right. Amen. Let God take care of the wrinkles. Amen. Now, as we look at the text, we go back a little bit here. The historical work of Christ is listed in verse 21. And you that were sometimes alienated, that's from God, and enemies from God in your mind by wicked works, your own life, he said, now hath he reconciled. Now, you see the cross? Here's an here's a example of the cross. It's got two bars. It's got a vertical and a horizontal, right? Now, when you get saved, you're, you're made right with the Lord Jesus Christ, with God the Father. That's that vertical bar of the cross. 
But you got that horizontal bar. And that thing don't happen overnight sometimes. If you were to get saved today, we'd just hug your neck and love you and accept you and, and think, man, you're the greatest person to ever walk the earth. We'd be so excited if you got saved. But you know what? You've got to walk to walk tomorrow. You may have some people out there that's not going to believe that you got saved. You've got some people out there not going to accept the fact that you got saved. And so you have to work on this thing of being sanctified, becoming a better person for Christ's sake. That's that horizontal bar. That one reaches up to God. It's automatic when you get saved. But that other one reaches out to everybody else and everybody else sees. And you know, it matters not to me what the world thinks about you or me. It matters what he thinks. But you've got to add to that, that we have a personal responsibility to not be a stumbling block, to not be a bad example for others to see because you and I are the billboards. You go up down the road there, you see billboards, right? What are they doing? They're advertising. Now, you go down there and you, you see a billboard, and that billboard says, do not eat at this location because the food is trash." It don't say that, does it? You see that billboard, and it says, Eat here, the greatest fruit in all the earth. And I say that because of this. Sometimes, if we're not careful, we have that billboard that says, Don't come to Christ, because this is all he can do. Now, don't, don't let that override you. You take him as you are, and he'll make you what you should be if you walk with him. If you, as he says in verse 21, if you continue in the faith. Verse 23. So we look back 2,000 years ago. Christ died for our sins on the cross that we could be saved. Jesus, through that cross, made it possible that us and all could be made right with God. There's no one outside of the grace of God. There's no one too bad that God can't save. There's no one and too much trouble that Jesus can't free you and deliver you from that sin. How did he do it? How did he do it? See that cross right over there? It's got some things nailed to it, right? That's people that we're praying for, people that we're trying to win. Your sins were nailed to the cross. You think about the hands and the feet of Jesus? Your sins were nailed to that cross. And friend, until you understand that, I don't know that you are even saved. Until your sins, you understand that truth, that all your sins have been nailed to that cross. You have to accept that by faith to be saved. Verse 20, he says this, And having made peace through the blood of his cross, the blood of his cross, by him to reconcile all things unto himself, by him, I say, whether they be things in earth or things in heaven. The most important part of that verse that I, I see right now is this. They said, by, through his cross, through his cross, he reconciles us to himself. That's that vertical bar of that cross. Now, let me add this point. When it talks about reconciled, when it talks about the word reconciled, it's talking about reestablishing a broken relationship between you and God. That relationship with God is never established until you get saved. You say, preacher, I got that. I know you got that. 
I wish the world out there to get that word. The world says that any old religion is as good as another. They're thinking that they have a platform to walk with God without the Lord Jesus Christ. That's a problem for them. It's not for me, but it's a problem for them. And the problem I have is communicating that truth to them without offending them too much. And it's hard to do because you're going to offend them. And that's why the, the gospel of Christ has an offense to it. Hey, it does offend people, doesn't it? And, and maybe you even got offended before you got say, hey, I don't like hearing that kind of preaching and this and that and that and this. But a person does not have a relationship with God until they have been through the cross and washed in the blood of Jesus. That's where it starts. You say, well, I've been starting to go to church a little bit. I'm going to church a lot. I'm, I'm doing better than I was. I'm, I'm doing a lot better than I was. I am proud of that. I'm glad of that. I hope that's true of you. Man, I'm proud of that. But you don't get saved by being better. You get saved by going to Him and trusting Him, the Lord Jesus Christ, as your Savior. Now, the Lord's death, it's adequate to reconcile us. There's no limits. He'll reconcile anyone, any sin you've ever committed. It's forgiven at the cross. When you get saved, if you, if you lay it all down, friend, it's all forgiven. It's a final thing. It's done. That's the beginning of the new life. And so then we see... In the text, it breaks it down. That reconciliation that was done there is the foundation of salvation, and it's the foundation of sanctification, and we begin a new life. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Hey, I, like, I don't like the word creation. Creation means that you change everything around you. Creature means you change the heart of who you are. I'm a new creature. In Christ, I'm just not a new creation. I'm more than that. When I got saved, I become a new creature. But notice what the last part. You know what the last part of that? That verse does not say, it does not say everything is fixed in my life the moment I get saved. It does not say everything is fixed. And you can have a problem with alcohol. I have seen some people get saved and it's done. It's automatic. It's open. I've seen others. They drag that old dead body with them as they learn and grow. And I've seen people fall back into it. You have, haven't you? Well, you can't judge a person by the experience. It's the beginning. Now, let me finish that verse. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. What does it say? Old things pass away. They pass. The gospel is often used and it came to pass. You know, I like to always add, it didn't come to stay, it came to pass. It's going to be over with. You just hang in there. It comes and it goes. Just hang in there with Jesus. But he said, old things pass away and some things don't give up easy when it's bit when it's dug in in your old flesh your spirit is saved your soul is saved but that old sin is dug in it's dug in deep old things pass away all things become new and here it is man you just 
stay on the trail with Jesus, continue, verse 23, in the faith, and what he doesn't get accomplished, the Spirit, in your body, in your soul, between now and when you go be with the Lord, he eliminates it all when you get to the Lord. It's over. Now, what Jesus, what Jesus did at the cross, it's done. But now what he is doing is a continuation of his work for us, the body of Christ, the church. And, and I, I want us to look at this, really. You know, when we think about Jesus dying on the cross, and we say this all the time, and it's okay to say this, that Jesus died for me. And we say all the time, and if Jesus died just for me, that would be enough. And, and we say that, we say that. And nothing wrong with saying Jesus died for me. But you know what the truth is? He died for all of us collectively. Whatever you are has something to do with who I am. Whatever I am and whatever I do is something to do with who you are. You know, the world has a tendency to look at the church as one, just one group, don't they? They, they do. They, and, and let me tell you, I hope that we could understand the truth behind that, that you and I are a part of one another in Christ. And what you're struggling with, I should be praying for. And what I'm struggling with, you should be praying for. Jesus died for all of us. And we're one body. We're one body in Jesus Christ. And think about it. You know, I get my hand, I break, I break a couple fingers on my hand. Can I eliminate what's happening in my hand to my elbow and to my body and to my mind? No, I cannot eliminate that. I, I really can't because it affects me. I have to use this hand more. And that's the way the church is. That's the way the body of Christ is. If one of us are suffering, the Bible teaches that all of us are suffering because of it. You've got to see that truth. And that helps you to overcome this individuality that we promote sometimes. And, you know, think of ourselves as, as just one in a, in a little vacuum pack by ourselves. We need not disown one person in Christ. We need to claim them. We need to pray for them. We need to encourage them. And we need to realize that we're part of them. That's the way to revival. That's the way to revival. So, Jesus saved us. And he's in the process of sanctifying us all together as one bride that will be presented to him in the second coming. Now, reconcile means to be made right. Reconcile means to be made right. And that happened positionally when we got saved. And it's becoming true practically as we're sanctified and growing in a relationship with Christ. And I'll tell you something. Are we all going in the right direction and growing in the right? No. We're, some of us are taking two steps forward and three back. But that doesn't mean the Holy Spirit's not at work in our life. And at the judgment seat of Christ, we need to think about this. You know, we have escaped the great white throne judgment. We will be witnesses at the great white throne judgment because we're saved and a part of the body of Christ. But that doesn't mean we will not stand before God in judgment. If you'll turn with me over in 1 Corinthians, I want to look at this pretty quick here. 
and, and just see that we, the saved person, we're going to be judged at the judgment seat of Christ. Look at it. Chapter 3, 1 Corinthians, look at verse 11. You can shoot that up there, David, uh, for the cheaters that don't have their Bible. 1 Corinthians 3, verse 11. We'll look through, through 15. Now, the judgment seat of Christ, the beam of judgment, you've heard it called the beam of judgment. That's 2 Corinthians 5.10. That, that, that's the, the Greek word of judgment seat of Christ, beam of judgment. You and I, we're not going to stand at the great white throne judgment where people are pronounced eternally cast into hell. We're going to appear before that time at the judgment seat of Christ. And some people forget or miss this idea that there's not going to be just one general judgment of all people. You and I are going to be at the judgment seat of Christ, which is seated up in space somewhere. Look at it, chapter 3, look at verse 11. For the foundation can no man lay, which is Jesus Christ, right? That's the foundation. You and I, when we got saved, we... We got on the foundation, didn't we? we? We got on the foundation. And what is the foundation? The Lord Jesus Christ. For other foundation can no man lay, but than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. He's the foundation. You're not going to be at the judgment seat of Christ if you're not on the foundation of Christ. Now look at verse 12. Now if any man build upon this foundation, if any man build, what are we to do as Christians? We're to build on this foundation. We're to build our life on Jesus Christ being our foundation. We're to build on that truth. He said, if any man build upon this foundation, gold, silver, precious stone, wood, hay, stubble, what is it, six things there you can build on this foundation? This is, these words are, are, are words to... Uh, they're, they're allegorical like to help us understand building on the foundation. So you build on the foundation, you can either build gold, silver, precious stone, wood, hay, stubble. We build on this foundation, don't we? Now look at the next verse. Whatever man builds, verse 13, every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. Now, this is the judgment seat of Christ. It's the beam of judgment. It's, it's not to do with people not saved. It's to do with people that are on the foundation of Jesus Christ. Save people. He said, and save people build on that foundation of Jesus Christ. We either build gold or silver or precious stone or wood, hay, and stubble. We build this life on that foundation and then we go to the judgment of Christ and there's a fire. What does the fire do? It purifies, doesn't it? See, when you and I enter into heaven, we're going to be changed again. We're going to be perfect after that because all of the things, the impurities, are going to be burnt away. And we're going to be different than we are now. We're not going to have, we're not going to have an old nature. We're going to have only a new nature that loves Jesus and wants to serve Jesus. Won't that be good? We have the old nature now that doesn't always want to do what it should do, right? When that fire... Look, look at, this, look at this, this, this story he's telling us. And, and now you pretend with me a minute that a fire just came up and, and there's some gold in that fire. What does, what does fire do to that gold? If it gets hot enough, it melts that gold, doesn't it? But does it destroy that gold? 
Well, he won't destroy that gold because he'll have just enough fire to make it just become what it should, be molded like it should. And so there's going to be gold. And what does fire do to silver? Well, it doesn't destroy the silver either, either does it? And what about the precious stone? The precious stones, they can, they, can, they can handle a whole lot of heat, right? But what about these other things? What about that wood? Phew, it's going to be gone. What about the hay? Instantly. Stubble. Things we didn't even see, stubble. going to be gone. Here's the deal. This is what this is teaching us. At the judgment seat of Christ, the eyes of Jesus, which are piercing like fire, will go through our life. The fire will burn away the wood, the things that were not up to where it should have been in quality. The hay. The things that we just wasted our life with. And that could be our bank account and our retirement plan. The wood, the hay, and the stubble. And you could just... Peg things to those three things that you want to think about in your life that says, you know, these are wasting my life and my witness and my time for Christ. Just plug them in there. Now let, let's go on through what the rest of it says where we can finish it. Verse 14. If any man's work, which is the gold, the silver, the precious stone, the wood, the hay, stubble, if any man's work abide, which he has built thereupon on that foundation... He shall receive a reward. You're going to be re rewarded at the church of Christ. Some of you, listen, there's some saved people here, and you're saying right now, you've been saying, boy, my life's going to go up like smoke. It's going to be like, when I get to the judgment seat of Christ, it's going to be like a house fire. It's all going to go up in smoke. Uh, the fire of the Lord Jesus, well, his, his, his eyes are just going to burn. Hey, let me tell you something. Let me encourage you. There's some things that you have done that are going to stand for eternity, and you probably don't even know what they are. You have an inheritance that passes not away, Peter said. Not going to pass away. Little things, loving people. You know, you know what I've learned? You know, you know what I've learned about people that have problems with sin in their life? You know, I see Christians, or some Christians have sin, sin problems in their life. I, now, I'm qualifying this statement. And I see some people that looks like they just don't have any problem with sin whatsoever in their life. Just seem like they got it knocked down, they got it covered. You don't want to say anybody agree. But you know, people that are struggling, love other strugglers, those are the things that are going to stick around forever. Those are the things that are gold, silver, and precious stone. Some of it's going to go up like wood, hay, and stone. He said, so if any man works, abide, verse 14, which hath built thereupon, he says, he shall receive a reward. Jesus has got a gift for you, folks. But notice the last part, and then we'll close that statement with this. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss. But he himself shall be saved. So is by fire. You know, oh, uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and the Bendigo, they went into a fire, didn't they? Who was with them in that fire? The Lord Jesus Christ was. Pre-appearance, right? He was with them. God was with them. What burned? Did they burn? Their clothes burned. Other things burned. 
And everybody else burned it, threw them in there, didn't they? They came out purified. I don't believe they smelled like smoke, do you? You and I are going to go through that process. It's going to be the judgment seat of Christ. And when we get on the other side, hey, we're going to have some rewards that the Lord has for us. And we're going to suffer some loss because there's some things that we did that we should not do. There's some things that we did not do that we should have done. Has anybody here not made a mistake? Can we just not worry about that and move forward? I guarantee you there's some people here today. You have been handicapped by your past. You have been handicapped. And all you do is when a preacher preaches something like this, you go back to that and you think about that. He said, well, I knew my problem. He just pointed his finger at it again. He just knew my problem. And I know my problem. And that's why. No, that's not to, to limit you. All things pass away. All things become new. Now, you and I, it's, it's all about you and I continuing in the faith. And what's his goal? To present us holy, unblameable, and unreprovable before himself. You got saved. Jesus died for you to be saved. Jesus is overseeing the, the work of your life, taking you on. One day he's going to present you in heaven before the Father. And he's going to present you holy, unblameable, and unreprovable in God's sight. Now what are we to do? Verse 23. If you continue in the faith, being grounded and settled, and be not moved away from the hope of the gospel, the preaching you've heard and been taught. If you do that, you will become what God wants you to be, which is holy, set apart, unblameable, not guilty. And let me explain that real quick. There is not a person here, you, you got saved last night or you got saved 40 years ago. You're not going to be able to stand before the Lord and say, I'm innocent. You're not going to be able to stand before. You can't stand before us in a right mind and say you're innocent. You can say I'm not guilty. <laughs> you can live not guilty, but you can't live innocent. <laughs> you have to confess those sins. He wants us to be holy, set apart. He wants us to be unblameable, without, without guilt, not guilty. And he wants us to stand before the Lord unreprovable. In other words, without reproach without reproach that we might be pleasing to the Lord Jesus Christ so here's what the truth is God reconciled you at the cross and he wants to sanctify you through the process of you continuing in the faith continuing in the word of God he wants you to be grounded grounded <clears throat> connected ever, anybody ever deal with electricity you need a good ground, amen? Connected. Well, I've got the electric all hooked up. Do you have it grounded? The Christian life, we have to be grounded and settled. You know, I've heard this for years, and it's so true. I don't care how high you jump. Jump all you want. But when you land, I want you to walk straight. Grounded and settled. 
unmoved from the hope of the gospel. And someday, you and I will be presented before God as a part of the glorious body of Christ, the church. Jesus made it all happen. And Jesus wants to make you a part of it today. If you'll trust Him as your Savior, if you'll come to Christ, if you'll, if you'll give Him your heart today and trust Him, He will take you through the process of making you what God wants you to be. Am I saying it's going to happen today? It might. It might. You just may be everything you ought to be tonight by the time you get done. But you may not. But I guarantee you this. He will never forget. He never will forsake you. And he'll continue to work in your life. He'll continue to work in your life. So that one day he'll present you in heaven. Holy, unblameable, and unreproved. Now listen. Wouldn't you like to have a God in your life? life like that. If you're not saved, wouldn't you like to have a Savior in your life that will save you just as you are and will love you and approve of you just like you are but will love you so much that He won't leave you where you are? He'll make you what He wants you to be as you walk and continue in the faith. I want us to bow our head as Susan and Rodney Kidd comes to play us a little song of invitation. I want us to quietly stand to our feet and I want to open an invitation to you to come and give your heart to Jesus. To give your heart to Jesus today. Would you come as they play? We're going to sing this out. You step out of that seat and give your heart to Christ right here and right now as we sing. Would you come? Do it. They'll move. Tell them, move. I'm gone. I'm, I need to get up there. Come on. Maybe you need to come pray for someone. You need to come up here and pray for someone to come today. Or someone to be saved that you know. Come on up here and pray for them. you got somebody in your heart, someone in your mind. Maybe you need to go to them. Say, I'll go with you if you want to go. There's somebody who needs to be saved. Would you come? heads are bowed we pray would you come though would you let go of that pew and come and give your heart to the Lord or come and rededicate your life to Jesus or make a commitment to follow him would you come God doesn't know overlook anyone would you come and give your heart to Christ would you come Need to come pray with somebody? Bring them on. Anyone else? you come doing business with God
Let's sing it out now. You sing it out. Just as. Would you come? Let's sing it out now. Would you come? Would you give your heart to Jesus? Would you return?
All right, don't let us interrupt you at the altar. Let's receive the offering. If you're at the altar, Lord, deal with you. Keep on. You come and receive the offering. Let's go. Amen. Jim, you going to pray? No, you're going to take the offering. Amen. <laughs> 